Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. had a word stirred up in my spirit all day today. And so I believe I have a word from the Lord for us tonight. I believe I have a word tonight. If you've got your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Genesis again. I, I get, I've been told by a lot of people, a lot of people have asked, why don't you preach more from the New Testament than the Old Testament? I love the Old Testament. I love the New Testament. Don't get me wrong. There's some, there's some good stuff in the New Testament. But sometimes to get where we need to go in the future, we need to try to look back and try to see what God did then to understand things now. And I'm thankful for the Old Testament book of Genesis, chapter number 19. I want to say how much I love my wife and my family. I love them so much. She's so beautiful. I can't help it. I told her that before church. She she was getting the girls dressed, and I just can't take my eyes off of her. I love her. She's like, all right, come on, come on, get going, get going. I love my wife and my girls so much. You know, before we get into this, as I was standing there, which first of all, that last song that you guys sung, I've not heard in a long time. So as soon as y'all started singing it, like the the 2000s child in me started singing it, and I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) before I even realized what y'all was singing, and I was like, my goodness, But, but during the worship as the praise team did such a phenomenal job tonight, the Lord just, it it was like a trigger in my mind of how complicated we make being a Christian sometimes. It It is the simplicity of striving to be like Christ. It is so simple. We make it complicated. I know we do. You all know how simple it is. If I'm not reading my Bible... I can't say that I'm a Christian. That's not revelation. That's not something deep. That's just simple as it gets. If I'm not praying, I can't say that I'm a Christian. Those two things alone, the greatest revival that I think the apostolic church, the church, the bride of Christ will ever see in this last hour is when the church just gets a hold of those two things. If we can get back to prayer and we can get back to the word, we'll see the greatest revival we've ever seen. That's all it is. It's so simple. It doesn't take take a lightning bolt. It doesn't doesn't take a shaking. It doesn't take us coming in and exhausting ourselves, trying trying to create our own atmosphere of what we think revival is. It's as simple as prayer, fasting, and reading the word. That's all it takes. Hallelujah. I'm thankful, thankful for his word and for prayer. I want to be led by the Holy Ghost tonight. 
book of Genesis chapter number 19, verse number 15. Boo, y'all. I'm that fancy, y'all. I got my screen behind me. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. It came to pass when they had brought them forth abroad that he said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Neither stay thou in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. Jumping down to verse number 24. The Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all of the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. But his wife looked back from behind him and she became a pillar of salt. Something I felt very strong pulled in the spirit this morning in prayer and all day today, all day, even at the laundromat, right down the road, praying and studying there, I felt the Lord just continuing to pull this into my spirit. So I want to preach to you, and I'm going to put a little Tennessee slang in this title tonight. Saved out of Sodom. Saved out of Sodom. For fancy terms, I'll say it the correct way. Saved out of Sodom. But I like, the, I like my way. Saved out of Sodom. Saved out of Sodom. Hallelujah. Can we close our Bibles? Let's lift our hands and pray one more time. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we're so thankful, God. So thankful and appreciative, Lord, of what you've already done in this house and the move of the Spirit that has already began to stir. God, I pray that you would help us tune in, Lord Jesus, to what it is you're wanting to do in this house. Lord, I pray that we would give full attention, Jesus, to the hour, Lord God, that we are in and that we understand, Lord, that we don't have much longer in this world. Oh, Jesus, I pray that you would talk to us tonight, God. I feel the Holy Ghost. Oh, God, have your way tonight, Jesus. Speak to us, Lord God. Let us hear your voice, Jesus. We love you tonight, Lord, and we worship you in Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Clap your hands if you can. Hallelujah. Open your mouth. The Bible says to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. You can be seated tonight in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In the previous chapters, chapter number 13 of the book of Genesis, we find Abram, who has not yet become Abraham. Abram and Lot, his nephew, are traveling with their families to the land of Canaan. And there comes up an argument in chapter 13 between the herdmen, Abram's herdmen and Lot's herdmen. And Abram comes to his nephew and tells him, 
Let there not be strife between us and between our herdmen, our families, our people. How about we part ways? Let's, let's, let's separate ourselves to keep the contention from taking over and the division from setting in. We're just going to part ways. And he tells him uh, in verse number nine, is not the whole land before thee. Separate thyself, pray thee for me. If thou wilt take the left hand, I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, I will go to the left. Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. Even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest unto Zor, Lot chose him all of the plain of Jordan. Lot journeyed east, and they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan, and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent toward Sodom. But the scripture tells us in verse 13 that the men of Sodom were wicked, and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. This plain made what was, was primarily made up of five different cities, all cities that were very plentiful. They were fertile. They, they were sought after cities. They were, uh, for lack of putting it in a different term, they were the land of opportunity. You went to these cities if you wanted to live a pleasurable and good life. The, the land was fertile, uh, all of the, the benefits and the trade routes and, and the economy of these cities were sought after, uh, not even to mention the, 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 the sinful lifestyle that each city arbored and, and the, the rebellious uh, cultures that stood against what was right and stood against the, the, the makeup and, and the commandments of God. They decided, we're gonna go down here, we're gonna live it up, we're gonna live good, we're gonna have a good time. And that seemingly was the problem, was that here in the division between Abram and Lot, Lot had the decision to choose which direction he wanted to go. Instead of working it out with his herdmen, instead of trying to uh, develop peace in the camp, he just decided to go ahead and separate. He decided, you know, let's just do it. Let's go with it. And he looks, and instead of going in the direction uh, that, that Abram ended up going in the end, instead of going towards the land of Canaan, he looks up, and his gaze sets upon the plains of Jordan. It sets upon Sodom. It sets upon Gomorrah. Uh, I've always thought that was, that was probably Lot's very first mistake was he lifted up his eyes, and he got to looking at something he shouldn't have been looking at in the first place. Uh, but the scripture goes on to tell us that it didn't just stop with a look. It didn't just stop with him gazing in the distance at the city that was available. But that just a couple of verses later tells us that he began to pitch his tent towards Sodom. That not only was the gaze enough, but the gaze draw, it drew something out of him. It drew a desire out of him to get closer to the sin, to get closer to the culture of Sodom and Gomorrah. And we know, according to history, uh, some of the things that I've actually already talked about, but, but the culture itself of Sodom, it was a very wicked city. It was a, a city that was morally unjust. There was a lot of sexual immorality. There was, that it was, it was a city that predominantly uh, lived in sin. It was a sinful lifestyle. It was, it was wicked imagination. Whatever they could think to do in their flesh, they wanted to do it with no inhibitions. They, they wanted to perform things that they knew were unnatural. They, they wanted to do things that, that 
pushed the limit of sin. They wanted to go as far as they could and enjoy life like it was. And, and what amazed me about Lot, Lot was a, he was a just man. Lot was a good man. Lot, uh, because I believe his uncle that he had, I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking that, that Abram was such a good uncle that he probably sat down and had conversations with Lot, talking to him about how good God was and the conversations Abram has had with God. And Lot, being the just and, and good and devout man that he was, found himself not just looking at Sodom and not just pitching his tent towards Sodom, but eventually moving his family into Sodom got stuck right in the middle of where the sin was taking place, got himself stuck right in the middle of that sinful culture. And uh, I, I don't believe that Lot ever fell in love with the sin of the nation, the city around him. I don't believe Lot ever gave in to the desires everybody else was participating in, the homosexuality that was taking place, the, 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 the sexual immoral, immoral things that were taking place, the unnatural affection in that city. Lot, Lot never fell in love with it. He never partook in it. I don't read in Scripture anywhere where it says that Lot Lot partook of those things. But what happened, even though Lot never fell in love with the sin in the city, he got used to the sin in the city. He was around it enough that it didn't bother him anymore. He was, he was close enough to it and around it and was listening to it and was seeing things with his own eyes that it did not bother him anymore. It's, it is a scary thing in 2023 right now for this nation to be in the shape that it is in and for the church to not be bothered by the things that are happening, for us to simply be at the place where we are desensitized to the pressures of this culture that are trying to dilute the power of God in us, that is sneaking into our homes, it's sneaking into our, our workplaces, it's sneaking into the church, it's sitting on the pew, and, and I'll go as far as to say it gets on the stage sometimes, how we have not fallen in love with sin, and we don't fall in love with the culture and the homosexuality sexuality and, and the perversion that is in this culture, but we also have grown used to it. So much so that we are willing to, and I know I talked about it Sunday night and, and I, I felt this in the Holy Ghost, so I'm just going to follow the Lord tonight. So much so that we are, we are willing to operate on the same apps that the rest of the world is and be able to say, well, that just doesn't bother me. Even though I'm probably pouring about 50 to 60 cuss words into my life that otherwise I would not have to listen to if I deleted that app. I'm, ha I'm having to put myself through things and listening to things and seeing things that I should not have to do and should not have to listen to and should not have to see. But I step back and say, well, that just doesn't bother me. It just doesn't harm me. I, I see stuff like that all the time, so I can just scroll past that. I hear that music all the time, so it's not gonna hurt to hear it every once in a while. It, it's, it's not gonna hurt me to jump on Facebook Reels or TikTok and every video have about six or seven F-bombs dropping every four-letter word under the sun. I can just get off of there and I can go back to being spiritual like that. No, that's not how it works. If I'm pouring 
in Sodom into my life. There is a division being put between me and the spirit man. There is a carnal nature that is creeping back in. I've got to quit feeding the carnality. I've got to stop feeding myself with what Sodom has to offer and start getting my mind back on the God of Israel. I've got to get my mind back on the one that saved me. This culture is disgusting that we are living in right now. I heard the interview the other day from one, I guess it's the transgender man who says that he's a woman. One way or the other, you're still a man, I'm just gonna tell you. But, but, but he, he, he had a conversation with, I believe it was either Fox News or MSNBC, whichever one you're watching, God bless you. Oh, Lord Jesus, that's a whole other discussion. But the interview was directed towards children that are wanting and desiring to change sexes. That when they go to school and, and they, that, that little boy feels like he wants to be a girl, that we should be able legally and, and the parents should be held accountable to making sure that that child get what they want. First of all, somebody needs a whooping. <laughs> Second of all, somebody needs Jesus. Because I'm going to be honest with you, in that interview, that person said, it's a shame. It's a shame that when puberty hits, and I know I'm using these terms tonight, and I hope it's all right. When, when, when puberty hits, that young boy that wants to be a girl, it's not fair that he has to go through the male puberty when he desires to go the, through the female puberty. Where are these imaginations coming from? I'll tell you where they're coming from, straight from the pits of hell. They're coming straight out of hell into our culture, into our society. And by the imaginations of man, we are producing sin on a high level today, more than has ever been produced. And all of it, all of it is a replay of what happened in Sodom. The LGBTQ plus movement, XYZ, whatever they are, every bit of that is the same spirit that was in Sodom. We are living in the days of Sodom once again. But Thank God that while Sodom is having their party, we're having revival. While Sodom is having their party, we're having a move of God. While Sodom is having their time, we're going to have a Holy Ghost time. But I have a fear that too many, too many of us in church, too many of us in church have found ourselves in the same place as Lot. We go home. I've got the Bible on the coffee table. I've got the signs hanging up around the house that say, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. I've got the Lord's prayer hanging up. I've got the 10 commandments hanging up. I've got the heritage. I've got the pedigree to say, hey, don't you know who my grandma and my grandpa was? Don't you know who my great-grandparents were? Don't you know the lineage? Don't you know the anointing that's handed down through the generations? Don't you know that I'm safe regardless of where, where I'm at? Unfortunately, that's not the case. If, I am t if I'm pitching my tent towards sin, eventually the sin is going to get in. I cannot pitch my tent towards the sin and still say that I'm holy. 
because what's going to happen is I'm going to begin to fade into that, that desire, into, into that sinful nature again. The Lord, the Lord, when he came into my life, when I was baptized in Jesus' name and I went through the process of salvation, I, I killed off that sin nature, even though it tries to follow me. I laid it aside and picked up a divine nature and I began to walk in holy things. And when that, when that spirit is living inside of me, I no longer desire to pitch my tent towards the sin. I shouldn't have to struggle with listening to rap and to country music and to rock and roll and to death metal. I shouldn't have to struggle with that if I've been filled with the Holy Ghost. I shouldn't have to worry about pitching my tent in the wrong direction if the Lord is living on the inside. Even when the world is celebrating in sin, I should not have to worry about where my tent is. But unfortunately, Lot made his way into the city. Never partook of the sin, but just got used to it being around. He became so adapted to the society of Sodom that the scripture goes on to tell us that he was found in the gates of the city, which is where all the business is done. All of the city leaders gather there. He had become someone of prominence. He had become someone with with experience in the economy of that city enough to hold a position in the city. So Lot's biggest problem was though that even though he may have never partook of the sin and this is where it's going to start getting deep right here. Oh God help me. Even though he never partook of the sin even though he, he never joined in the fun that was going on around him he also never stood his ground for what he believed. He never, he, ne he never engaged in the sexual immoral things going on. He never partook in homosexual acts. He never partook in the rituals and the ungodly things that were going on. But he also never stood up and said, Hero Israel. Oh, Lord Jesus. You see... When you're getting pressure from the world, it's, it, it, may, it may be easy. It may be easy to come to MPC every time the doors are open and to come into the house and to worship and to engage in that relationship with God. That when you go to your job and everybody around you is talking about some perverted junk and they're cussing like a sailor. The family around you, the people around you gossip into the left and to the right. You don't partake in that. But we also never stand up and say, thus saith the Lord. Because we've grown used to just being around these things. We've grown adapted to just dealing with the sin around us and never stepping up and being the mouthpiece of God in the culture to let them know this will not stand. This is not, when was the last time you looked at that friend that cusses every day, all day long and said, hey bro, that's not gonna fly around me anymore. Well, it don't bother me. It should. Oh, Lord Jesus. <laughs> when, when, when was the last time that you went to that coworker that talks about some nasty stuff all the time and said, hey, bro, if you're going to do that, you need to go somewhere else because that's not going to fly around me no more. Instead, I'm, I'm, willing, I'm willing to adapt myself to the environment instead of using the power within me to adapt the environment to what I believe. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Come on now. 
I'm gonna tell you right now, you alone, if, you're, if you by yourself are surrounded by a majority that are living in sin, you still have more power than they do because of the Holy Ghost on the inside of you. You can change the entire environment around you if you're willing to step up and say, this ain't gonna fly no more. I'm not going to allow this anymore. I'm going to go home and pray about it. I'm going to bring my Bible to work if I've got to. I'm going to get some scripture together and let them know, even if they don't want to believe what I believe, they're at least going to start respecting what I believe. I'm going to let them know if they want to enjoy Sodom, they can take Sodom somewhere else. Because I'm tired of allowing my tent to be pitched their direction. I'm tired of allowing myself to, to maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not saying those nasty things, but I'm laughing at what they're saying. God help me, Lord. Maybe, I, maybe I'm not dropping those four-letter words, but I'm laughing every time they do. I'm having a good time around them when they are doing that stuff. I may not be drinking the alcohol, but man, when we go to that restaurant and everybody else is drinking, we're having a good time. I've got my sweet tea. <laughs> that environment will eventually numb you. I'm, this is where we're going right now, all right? Lot, here in his home in this city, two angels. The scripture first tells us it's two men come to Abram. God saw the wickedness and the sin and the wicked imaginations and the immorality in the city and comes to Abram and two men and tells him, God's gonna destroy the whole plain. It's gonna be burned with brimstone. And he tells him this because, they, because God knows your nephew is out there. Your nephew is lost in that. He may not be partaking in it, but he's stuck out in the middle of it. And of course, we read where, where Abram begins to, to plea with the Lord. If there be 50 righteous in the city, spare it, God. Oh, Lord, spare it. If there be 50, I'll spare it. But unfortunately, there's not. Well, peradventure, Lord, there be 45. Will you spare it? If there's 45, I will spare it. But there's not. What about 40? 30? 30? 20, surely there's 20. 10. If there's 10 righteous in the city, will you not save it? And the Lord says, if there's 10, I'll save it. But there's not. Rabbit trail right here. When there are home missions churches that are stuck out in the middle of nowhere that are running at least 10 people, that scripture right there tells me God can save that city. All it takes is 10. If there's 10 righteous, God can save the city. I'm looking at quite a bit more than 10. I don't know your level of righteousness. You do. I don't. But I believe there's more than 10, hopefully, in here. <laughs> By looking at you, I can see some confidence in some of you. There's more than 10 righteous in here. This city, this whole city, there, there is no reason. My Lord, I'm getting off track. There, there is no reason that any soul in this city should pass and go to hell because of the righteousness that is sitting in this room right now. 
this whole city can be saved. There's no reason why any drug addict should go to hell. There is no reason why any alcoholic should go to hell. There's no reason why any witch out there, any, any warlock, any, any, any sinner, any atheist, any Muslim, any Buddhist out there should go to hell when there's a church right here full of righteousness. No reason. But those men let Abram know we're still going to destroy the city. And Abram tells him, can you please, can you please go save my nephew? So those two men, then the scripture shifts and tells us that it's angels that are coming in. The angels come and they find Lot. They come to his house. They're knocking on the door. And there's an urgency in Lot to hurry up and get them into the house because he knows what's about to happen. He knows the mind. That's how close Lot got, y'all. He, he knew, he knew the imaginations. He knew what all of the men in that city were thinking when two brand new people walked in. But I'm still holy. He pulls them into the house and here comes these men banging on the door. We want to know them. Of course, those angels strike all of them with blindness. And then the scripture goes to tell us where we opened with tonight. When the morning arose, the angels hastened Lot. Arise, get your wife, get your daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of this city. And while he lingered, this, this is what got me. This is what, what troubled me. And the Lord spoke something to me. I'm gonna get there in a second. The urgency of these angels, they, they just proved to Lot that they were supernatural beings. They just proved to Lot, we are sent of God to save you and to save your family. He even asked him, he says, Where, where's the rest of your crew? Is there anybody else that needs to be saved? He had son-in-laws that were not yet married to his daughters. They were betrothed to the daughters. But the son-in-laws didn't even have an interest in being saved. You want to know why? Because Lot never stood up and preached to them about truth. He never got to them and preached to them about the God of Israel. He never, he never came to them and told them about God. He never, he never passed on the, the urgency of the understanding and the revelation of the God of all creation. His son-in-laws had no idea. They had no idea the danger that they were in and they could care less about being saved. That while those angels are hastening Lot, you gotta pack your bags now. Don't, don't, don't worry about all your possessions. Don't worry about taking anything with you. You need to make sure before you grab the TV, before you grab your phone and the tablet, that you get the hand of your wife and you get the hand of your children because God is about to destroy this city right now. Destruction is coming right now. You've got to decide right now what you want saved. You've got to decide right now what you're willing to do to keep yourself saved. I'm telling somebody right now, we are in the most urgent season we have ever been in. The Lord is soon to return, sooner now than he ever has been before. And I'm wondering, where is our attention right now? Because the scripture says Lot lingered. You want to know what that means? While the angels are standing there, they're anxious. They're like, come on, come on. We've got to get you out of here. The fire, literally the fire is already beginning to fall. We've got to get you out of the city. We've got to get your wife and your children out of the city. And Lot had become so numb to this. 
well, I just don't know. I, you know, I, I've had a good life here. I've, I've got friends. I've got family. I've got this. I've got that. Look at, look at the materials, the possessions. Look at, look at my position. Look at all that I've accrued. And Well, you know, he's walking around and he's, he's literally thinking of whether or not he, he's worried about being saved. <laughs> These men are standing there. The fire is about to consume everything. It's going to be horrific. It's going to be so destructive. You're, you're, you're not going to survive this. You're, you're going to burn. You're going to watch your wife burn. You're going to watch your children burn. There's no time for this. And Lot is contemplating and lingering because he has gotten so used to Sodom that it has desensitized his response in the spirit. Oh, my Lord Jesus. So used to the sin that he doesn't even feel the urgency of escaping the sin. As I was in prayer this morning, I was pacing back and forth in this altar again. I was praying. And the Lord spoke something to me that I have never, I, it shook me. Lord Jesus, it put me down on the floor. <laughs> the Lord spoke to me and said, my people are less worried about being rescued than I am rescuing them. I'm, I'm more concerned with rescuing them than they are me even coming. My people are so caught up in the middle of everything good going on in the world that there are even some people right now that if they knew the Lord was coming back tomorrow, they would linger. You want to know what scripture says? Scripture says that the two angels that were there in the room, one grabs a hold of Lot's hand. The other grabs a hold of Lot's wife. The other one grabs a hold of Lot's two daughters and begins to pull them. God should not have to do that. I don't know who I'm talking to right now. God should not have to forcefully pull you out of the sin. God should not have to, have to pull me out of carnality. He should not have to come and rescue me out of, out of temptations that, that were from yesterday, from five years ago, from 10 years ago, that if I was truly committed to the Lord, wouldn't be bothering me anymore. If I had a prayer life, that right there is not gonna bother me no more. If I know how to open the word and read the word and study the word, that addiction's not gonna bother me no more. But if, if, if I used to be addicted to that, if I, if I, and I, th I think I said this on the podcast, if I used to be addicted to pornography, the last thing I need to do is go to the nearest beach every time I get a chance and say, well, it doesn't bother me anymore. If I used to be addicted to alcohol, the last thing I need to do is go into some liquor stores and just hang out and talk a little bit. The last thing I need to do is sit as close to the bar at Applebee's as I can. And say, well, it just doesn't bother me anymore. Oh, Lord Jesus. The Lord should never have to grab and pull us. We should have the hunger to separate ourselves. 
I should have that hunger in me that says, Lord, I just want to get away from it. I want to separate myself. I want to run as fast as I can in the opposite direction of the sin of the culture. I don't want nothing to do with it. I don't want to smell like it. I don't want to look like it. I don't want to sound like it. I don't want to dress like it. I don't want to act like it. Lord, I want to go the opposite direction. If anything, Lord, I want to be able to pull you closer to me instead of you having to pull me. But what bothered me the most was these men have got a hold to Lot's family and shouldn't nobody else have to save my family. Oh, Lord God, here we go. Shouldn't nobody else have to grab a hold of my family's hands and tell them, baby, we got to get out of here because there's, a, there's destruction coming. Uh, the Lord's come, my Lord. The Lord is coming back. It should not be pastor's responsibility to save my children. God. It should not be a district superintendent's responsibility. It should not be the singer's responsibility. It should not be the bishop's responsibility to save my family. I'm the head of my household. I need to be the one that grabs my wife by the hand and grabs my babies by the hand and says, we're getting out of here. The Lord's coming back and we ain't got time to hang out here anymore. There ain't enough time to be playing games with this sin anymore. But as they leave the city, those angels have got them by the hand, leading them to a higher place than they were before to get them out of the sin. The scripture tells us that Lot's wife turns around. Because you want to know what it was? God had her hand. Sodom had her heart. God had her by the hand, pulling her, drawing her out. But Sodom still had her heart. I'm thankful, Lord, that you're pulling us in the right direction. But my heart still wants to be a part of that group that I used to hang with. My heart still wants to be around those people and be in that atmosphere that I used to be in. I'm thankful you're pulling us in the right direction, but those, that music, Lord, it's, it's not harmful. It's not gonna hurt me. I know what's right and I know what's wrong. It's so, I don't know why I'm talking about music right now, but I'm, I'm hitting something. I feel it. I'm driving something right now. You may not be listening to music that's got lyrics that are ungodly, but if the music you're playing is not glorifying God, it's glorifying something else. I'm hitting a wall, Lord Jesus. What you are listening to is glorifying something. That's the whole reason music was created in the first place. It's worshiping something. And if it is not glorifying and not worshiping God, it's worshiping the opposite of God or it's worshiping you. One of the two. Either way, it's idolatry against God. If I'm listening to music that this world is pumping out right now, I pray. I pray there's nobody in this room listening to the junk that's coming out of this culture right now. 
I'll listen to that in the vehicle. I'll listen to it. I'll turn it on the radio and I'll, I'll jam to it. I'm, I'm headbanging. I'm, I'm dancing. I'm doing all kinds of stuff. But then the worship team gets up here and sings about waiting on the Lord and how mighty God is to save. And I can't even get out of my pew. And I can't even lift my hands. And I can't even clap my hands. I can't even get involved in the, in the move of God that's happening in the service because I'm so, I'm so enveloped in the sin that Sodom has subtly brought into my life. God had her hand. She left her heart and Sodom. She turns around and she turns to that pillar of salt. These young people here in the church right now, they're innocent. They are innocent to this culture. Now, I'm not saying that to tell you that you can trust everything that Jimmy and Bobby Sue do. I'm also not telling you that they run your home. Oh, God, I'm in so much trouble, Lord. Oh, God. At 13 years old, they've got a cell phone in their hands and you have no accountability on them. They're not watching cartoons. It ain't because they're bad. It's not because Jimmy and Bobby Sue are bad. It's because of the nature. God did not, nobody taught me how to lie. Nobody, my mama did not set me down and say, okay, so we're gonna learn how to sin today. In fact, most of the time, mama had a fly swatter in her hand. When I did do something I wasn't supposed to do. It's the nature. I was born in sin and shapen in iniquity. When I came into this world, even as a babe, I was innocent, but I was born in a sin nature. These children are innocent to the lies and the sin and the, the immorality and the sexualization of everything in this culture. They're innocent to that. And thus makes it more important for me as a man of God, as a husband, as a father, to be the one leading my home. It is nobody else's responsibility to set the standard in my home but mine. It's not my wife's responsibility. It's not my pastor's responsibility. It is my responsibility. It's nobody else's responsibility to tell me how to live holy with my family. I love it. I love it that my two girls, whenever they get dressed ready for church or dressed to go out to Walmart or if we're going to the park, they come to me and they say, Daddy, is this okay to wear? I didn't tell them they had to do that. Mama didn't tell them they had to do that. Thank God something's been instilled in them that says I need daddy's approval because he's, he, he has a connection to God. I need daddy's approval on this because I'll tell you, if you ain't paying attention to what they're wearing, somebody out there is. If I'm not paying attention to how short the skirt is, there's a pervert out there that is. Oh, Lord Jesus. Oh, God, help me, Lord. <laughs> I've, I've, I've got to step my game up. I'm talking to some men in this room right now. I did it the other night and I feel like doing it right now on the Holy Ghost. I've got to step my game up in this generation, in this society we are in. I can't be the same man I was five years ago and 10 years ago. If I'm any less devoted to God now than I was five years ago, I'm backslidden. If I'm any less devoted in prayer now than I was 10 years ago, I'm backslidden. 
Oh, Jesus, some of this is hard. I know it is. I'm trying to help some families in this room right now. I'm trying to help this church because regardless of the pressure of the culture and the sin that is trying to, to yank these children off the pews, there is a power and a righteousness available to you, to your home, where you can change the entire environment around you. You can change everything around you, but you've got to get more dedicated now than you've ever been before. Uh, there, there is, if somebody wants to come back to the piano, musicians, if however, however y'all want to do it tonight. Uh, oh, I got to follow the Holy Ghost for a minute. Oh, Jesus. The scripture says we don't know the day nor the hour. We, we have no idea. I wish we did because I know a lot of people, I know a lot of people that would, that would take full benefit of knowing the exact day and the exact hour. They would live it up in sin all the way up to the last minute. And the problem is, if you really do love God, you're that, that's not even a second thought. Your thought process would still be, God, I'm gonna live holy every day. I'm gonna live sanctified every day. I'm gonna love you more every day. I'm gonna pray more every day. I'm gonna fast. I'm gonna study. I'm gonna keep doing it because I love you. It ain't about me getting to ride the fence and do what I think I can do and get by with. That's so prevalent in the church right now. I see it everywhere we go. People are, people are arguing, this is a heaven or hell issue. That's a heaven or hell issue. Well, this will send you to hell and that'll keep you, get you to heaven. And Well, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily think that this right here is bad. It may not be all good, but I also don't know that it's bad. And so we're just gonna play hopscotch and we're just gonna skip around on this and it'll be okay. It ain't about being a heaven or hell issue. Does it please God? Does it please the Lord? Does it put a smile on his face? Because if it's not pleasing him, I don't want it. Especially if it's something he hates, I want to hate it. I don't, want, I don't want to be anywhere around it. The urgency that I have felt these last few months, I, every time I pray, it's just this. Y'all remember when you met your spouse for the first time, those butterflies started moving around. I thought it was gas. <sighs> it was butterflies. It started flapping around. I had a couple of moths in there, them big ones, just flapping around because I was, I was so anxious. So every time I got around her, it was, almost, it was almost like she was catching me away. Every time I have prayed for the last couple of months, I feel those butterflies. The bridegroom is ready. <laughs> The bridegroom is ready. All the, the mansions have been prepared. The streets have been laid with gold. The walls are of jasper. The gates of pearl have been placed on their hinges. And the bridegroom is wondering where he's at. I wonder if the bride is as ready as I am. Oh God. I wonder if the bride is as prepared for this supper as I am. I wonder if the bride is as prepared for this eternity as I am. Because I'm going to tell you the Lord, the Lord has been waiting anxiously. He sat back and I believe, I believe he's, 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 he's so interested. He's like, my Lord, I, I can't wait to get a hold of them. I can't wait for them to be with me for eternity. They're all I think about. They're all I think about all the time. I just want my bride. And then to know that the bride ain't thinking the same thing. 
the bride ain't as concerned about the bridegroom as the bridegroom is the bride. There is an urgency. God is wrapping these things up, these signs. I, 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 don't, I don't proclaim to be a prophet today, but I'm telling you what I felt in the Holy Ghost. These signs, the book of Revelation, are going to begin to unfold rapidly. I hope you're listening right now. My God, they're going to begin to open up. They're, they're going to begin to unfold rapidly in front of us. And this thing is going to happen so fast. It's going to happen so fast. How can we be saved? How? The scripture even goes in the book of Acts. We're going to take it home for a minute before we get ready to close this up. Book of Acts chapter number two. Verse number 40. With many other words did he testify and exhort saying, Save yourselves. Save yourselves from this untoward generation. That word untoward literally translates to morally twisted, perverse, sickened generation. Save yourself. Save yourself. From this untoward, wicked generation. That does not mean come to church and keep watching the same stuff. That does not mean come to church and keep flirting with sin. In hopes that you'll be able to slide into eternity by the skin of your teeth. That does not mean... Worship in the altar, speaking in tongues, and then turn around and cuss on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday. I've got to be intentional about saving myself. If I, as an evangelist, if I save, if I help in the work of saving a thousand people and my family misses eternity, I failed. God, help me, Lord. If, if I save a million people in this world by the preaching of the word and I'm skilled as an orator and I've got talents and abilities beyond anybody else in this world and I don't see my wife and my children around the throne with me, I failed. Yes, sir. Save yourself from this untoward generation how do you do that how how do we do that well just a couple of verses before that peter said unto them you got to repent of your sins you got to come and tell god i'm sorry i'm sorry lord for everything wrong that i've done it ain't just shedding tears it's a change in your life it's not just coming in an altar and saying well just forgive me jesus Forgive me now and I'm just going to do it again tomorrow. It's coming into an altar with weeping and gnashing. God, turn me around. Save me, God. Peter said, repent and be baptized. Every one of you.
in the name of Jesus. There is a huge difference in getting wet in the titles and being baptized in the name. I have to understand that there is only one that sits on the throne. I have to understand there are not three distinctive persons in eternity. I've got to understand 1 John 5 and 7. That tells me there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. I've got, I've got to catch a grasp on the monotheistic theology of Deuteronomy 6 and 4. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. They knew him as Lord. They knew him as God. They knew him as Jehovah. They knew him as Yahweh. But all along, his name has been Jesus. I've got to repent. I've got to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission, the repentance. I don't know why I'm doing this tonight. I'm giving us just a 411 Bible study real quick. If I was to come to one of you ladies and to steal your purse... And then I feel bad about it later. And I come to you and I say, I stole your purse. Can you forgive me? I've repented. But the process isn't complete until you say, you know what? I know what you did hurt me. I know what you did was wrong. But we're going to forget that it ever happened. Oh, God. We're just going to forget about it. And we're just going to move on and be friends. I'll be here for you. You be here for me. I'll repent. But I got to be baptized if I want to complete that process. But it doesn't stop there. You want to be saved? You got to go through the repentance place. You've got to go through the baptismal place. But then the scripture finishes by saying, ye shall, ye shall, ye shall, ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Jesus told Nicodemus, Nicodemus is like, bruh, how in the world? How in the world am I going to re-enter my mother's womb and be born again? Jesus said, you got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. Because if you're not, you're not going to see, you're not going to visit, you will not be in the kingdom of God. Some of us have got to remember this. As you're walking through this life, as you're walking in Sodom, I'm not saying that you can pick up and move off the earth. They're trying to do that. I don't know. <laughs> They're trying to put a civilization on Mars. They're trying to say we can go to the moon. At this point, I don't trust any of them. I'll just be honest with you. I don't. <laughs> I'm not saying that you can pick up your family and get away from the sin because the sin's gonna be everywhere. This whole world is consumed with sin. This whole world is. But what you've got to remember is that you may be in this world. But you are not of this world. You may be right smack dab in the middle of the most sinful culture that you ever thought you would be in. But just because you're in the world does not mean that you have to partake in it.
repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, being filled with the Holy Ghost and the evidence of speaking in tongues as the Spirit gives the utterance. But it doesn't stop there. If you really want to be saved, and then I'm getting ready to close right here if y'all want to stand. If y'all want to stand. Man, I, ooh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this room right now. Oh God. If you really want to be saved, Second Corinthians 6 and 17. Wherefore come out from among them. Does that mean I have to quit my job? No. You can sit right next to them and still come out from among them. Does that mean I can't be with my family that are all atheists? No. You can go and you can love them and you can shine a light. But just because you're sitting at the Thanksgiving table with them doesn't mean that you can't come out from among them. And be ye separate, saith the Lord. And touch not. Lot, keep your hands off of Sodom. Touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. Oh God. I will receive you. You want to know what this generation right here needs? I'm getting, I, I promise you, we're going to wrap this up. I've, I've watched the time and then again, I've not watched it because I, I feel like the Lord's talking to us tonight. What this generation right here does not need to see is a lot. Trying to expound to the world that he's different by not partaking in what they're doing, but also never standing for what he believes in. This generation does not need another generation showing them how we can play the fence game and still make it to heaven. This generation does not need to see another generation willing to say, well, I know pastor preaches that we should do this, but I see it this way. Pastor may watch this later and he may get on to me. I don't know, we'll see. This man right here standing behind this pulpit and his lovely wife should be the minimum of your standard. Bishop, is that all right? The lifestyle they live, the dedication to God that they have should not be where you're constantly saying, I'll never get there. That should be where you say, I'm going to start there. I'm going to start there and then I'm going to progress from that point forward. That doesn't mean you're going to be more spiritual than them. And even if you are more spiritual, that doesn't mean that you take authority over them. Oh, Lord, help me, God. But I need to look at them and say, that's where I want to start my standard, right there. Come out from among them. Be ye separate and I will receive you. This world is going to continue to get worse. It is not going to get better. I don't care who gets elected to the office next year. Amen. Democrat, Republican, Donald Trump, Newsom, Biden, Big Bird. 
it does not matter who sits in that office. The only thing that's going to fix anything in this world, it's not another elected official. The Bible tells us that the government is upon his shoulders. The only thing that is going to fix and pull souls out of this culture is a revival church. It is a church that has come out from among them and has a light shining in this dark world that they're not going to find anywhere else. But how can we have a light shining in the dark if we're continuously playing with the dark? If I'm trying to see how much closer to darkness I can get and still have light, God have mercy. Save yourself from this untoward generation. Can we just bow our heads for a moment? I want us all to be, I want us all to meditate upon the Lord for a moment. The Holy Ghost is in this room right now. Don't, don't, don't let what you have felt in this message start dying off just because you're ready to go home. Don't do that. Oh, Lord Jesus, there, there, is a, there is a seriousness, there is an urgency in this room right now for somebody, somebody to get dedicated more now than you've ever been before. I think every one of us, everybody in this room, including the evangelist, can say that. God, I need to be closer. God, I need to be closer. Lord, I need to pray more. God, I need to read the, the word of God more. I need to fast more. I need to dedicate myself more. Lord, I need to do more than pray five minutes a day because that's not gonna save me. I need to do more than read a couple of verses on a devotional that I get sent in my email every day and say that that's my study time. Oh, God, help me, Lord Jesus. <laughs> I've got to do more than come into the house of God being the only encounter I have in your presence all week long. Because that is not going to save me out of Sodom. Oh, Lord Jesus. Keep pushing just right where you're at. You, you ain't got to get up in front of people. The Holy Ghost, there's a heaviness sitting in this room right now. I know we're tired. I know we want to go home. I'm telling you right now, the Lord is doing something. There's a shift happening right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Lord, save us out of Sodom, God. Lord, don't let me be so caught up in the things of this world that I'm weighed down, Lord Jesus, when you call your bride up. Lord, that I'm so distracted with everything in my life. I'm more concerned about getting things right down here than I am going home. Lord, this life is temporary. I'm just passing through. Lord, don't let me build up so much treasure, so much of a name for myself, 
so much position and ambition, God, that I forget, Lord Jesus, you are coming back. God, Lord, help me to focus on my children, God. Lord, I want to see my children saved. I told the Lord this not that long ago when I was praying. I said, God, if I don't make it, I want to make sure my children make it. Lord, I don't believe that that's going to happen. I'm going to give it everything that I've got. But God, if I mess up at the last minute, I want to know that my children are going to make it. God, lift your hands right now. Lift your hands. I forgot. Oh, Lord. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.